We Infuse Podcast, episode number 25. Welcome to the We Infuse Podcast, and my name is Dylan McCabe, and in every episode, we give you a behind-the-scenes look at the operations of the Infusion Center, whether it's a standalone infusion center or a provider's office who has an infusion suite, and our goal is really to just to equip you so that you can have the best tips, tactics, and a roadmap to offer excellent services to your patients and grow a thriving infusion center. I think you're really going to like this episode because I'm interviewing Civic Infusion Center. I'm interviewing their executive director, Debbie. I'm also interviewing uh, Dr. Stein and Dr. Roteman, and they're going to talk about how they pursue excellence in the midst of COVID-19 compared to a typical hospital setting. They're going to really get into the details of why it's such a positive thing for their patients to come to them versus going to the typical provider office or especially a hospital setting. So whether you're thinking of starting an infusion center or have one already, you're going to get some nuggets of gold as we go into this interview. So let's jump right in. So basically, Dr. Ropeman and I are board-certified anesthesiologists, and essentially, uh, we recognize that there was a need for a facility in this area that was focused on an affordable, high-quality, and convenient alternative for patients with chronic conditions that require IV infusion therapy. Um, and this was something we felt very strongly about based on our own personal experience with friends and family. And we understood that um, the hospital environment was not ideal because uh, basically it was not as affordable. And these types of patients that require these therapies are particularly vulnerable to infections and viruses that naturally spread within the hospital environment. Um, So that's sort of how we uh, started off. And uh, we felt that this was a unique opportunity for this area and for the patients uh, that really don't have an option in this area for that kind of treatment. That's great. And for those listening, as I mentioned in the intro, we've got Dr. Stein, Dr. Ropeman, and Debbie, the executive director of Civic Infusion Center. And so give kind of give our, our listeners a kind of a, a snapshot, a 90-second snapshot on what Civic Infusion Center is and why you guys are located in the place that you are and, and kind of the value that you offer. So, Dylan, we're, we're basically a freestanding multi-specialty infusion center. Um, we give practically every drug imaginable now, biologics. When we started out, uh, we were looking to see, uh, obviously, what our patient population was. We chose the Wilton area up in Connecticut because Connecticut and the Northeast in general really doesn't have a lot of options for these uh, chronic disease patients. And so, you know, uh, like in anything... Uh, Everything has its risks, rewards, and uh, we, we weren't really sure, you know, if, even if this was the right location. But we thought that, you know, the hospitals were charging such incredible fees for this. We were told that. We saw patient EOBs. People were really upset at, at what was going on at the hospital setting. And we thought we can provide, you know, from our background as anesthesiologists, we've done and managed a lot of these type of uh, centers uh, in ambulatory surgery. And so we thought, okay, you know, we have that kind of experience and background. How do we do it in the infusion business? And um, that's really how it kind of originated. Right. And just to add on that, basically, as anesthesiologists, you know, we're very experienced with IV therapies, IV treatments as basically critical care doctors in the operating room. So to be able to treat patients in this type of environment, we felt we were ideally suited to do that. 
um, given our background and experience. Okay, so I've got to ask the question here because, you know, we Infuse does a lot of consulting and we've talked to healthcare providers around the U.S. What was the big difference, you know, business-wise and, and talking about the workflow and just managing all the moving parts in the practice of going from anesthesiology to infusing biologics in these patients with chronic diseases? And I'll let, you know, Debbie answer or Dr. Ropeman or Dr. Whoever wants to answer that, go for it. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll take it. I think... So the biggest difference probably is these patients are, you know, it's not anesthesia, obviously, but these patients come with some of the same comorbidities and problems that we have in the OR. The difference here from a business standpoint is that this is obviously a very difficult um, sort of negotiable thing with insurance carriers. So it's not easy as, in other words, most, most of the carriers understand all the other businesses in medicine. Uh, we found uh, that our carriers, at least here in the Northeast, were pretty blind to what uh, outpatient infusion services were. And so we had to do a lot of educating. You know, we educated ourselves. And then when I negotiated all these rates and, and just to get contracts with insurance carriers, um, they, I, just to be honest here, and uh, look, they, they really don't know. They don't have people that are very experienced with dealing with uh, outpatient office-based infusion. They do know an aspect of home infusion, of the home infusion environment, but they, they really don't know a lot about what we do. And so, again, we educated ourselves, we educated them, we started working very hard on all our uh, contracts. And, you know, so from a business aspect, I think that was the toughest part. Absolutely. And for those listening, we are recording this at the time of the coronavirus. And so we've got timeless principles to share here as well, but we've also got the fact that everybody, a lot of people are working remotely. So if anybody hears kids or dogs or anything happening in the background, we are all dealing with it. <laughs> so, um, so, so tell me this now. So you guys have a very successful standalone infusion center. You are strategically located um, in between some major health systems there in Connecticut. You guys have a great website. I looked over it, and you've got really helpful resources, whether it's a patient or a provider who wants to send referrals, you've got forms up. What has it been like dealing with the outbreak of COVID-19? Well, Deb, from, you want to take it from uh, the desk point of view? Sure. So, um, you know, we certainly have had protocols in place before COVID-19 started, um, but we have upped our protocols. For example, you know, now we're calling every patient before they come and asking them, did you experience a fever, a cough, shortness of breath? You know, the questions that were set out by the CDC, you know, this is something we hadn't done before. Um, our patients don't come here if they're not feeling well anyway, because they're not going to want to get an infusion if they're ill um, on a regular basis. But, you know, certainly before they walk in the door here, they are um, screened, their temperature is taken, masks are worn, um, we're cleaning down the office, you know, top to bottom three times a day. So we're doing everything in our power in order to ensure that our patients who need their medication on a regular basis are going to be able to receive it, that we're going to stay open, we're all going to stay healthy on our end, and uh, we're doing our best to keep our patients healthy as well. Yeah, if I could just add to that, I think people actually are very relieved that there is an option available outside of the hospital because today 
if you're going to go to the hospital, uh, you're going to see, at least in, these, in this area and probably all over the country, it's pretty much a disaster area. And so people are relieved that they have an option to go to that's high quality and affordable still. And, and uh, you know, it doesn't interrupt with their uh, regular treatment. And so, you know, piggybacking off of that, what what can you guys do or what are you doing that might be helpful to other infusion center operators listening to this to reach out to those hospitals saying, hey, help us or we can help you alleviate that burden. And we have a place patients may feel safer or better at this time coming to our, our standalone infusion center. So so we have done that in, in some ways with our, our marketing staff, but uh, Dylan, as you know, the hospital systems really are very much to themselves. And of course, you know, they worry about what they're doing. And uh, we as a private center, uh, I think, struggle a little bit with that. But what we have done is we've had our marketer go to all the doctor's offices, even though she cannot even get in at this point. But she has her liaison. She's emailing. She's calling. And we all have tried to put out... Um, the word, of course, that we are open, we're treating, and we're following all these protocols. Um, and fortuitously, obviously, in this situation, we've been getting patients from hospital settings from all over because they're, the patients themselves obviously are now saying, hey, wait a minute, am I going to go into a big, crazy hospital situation and sit in that chair where God knows who's been in there and what's going on and you know, we see all the problems. Everybody's watching the news. Unfortunately, this is bombarded to everybody. And it's really such a stressful time in medicine. And I think, I think that's where our infusion suites really come in at such the right time because we provide a very relaxing and calm atmosphere. I think, as, as Dr. Stein was mentioning, once we get these calls that our patients are being transferred actually to our facility from, I mean, whether it's an insurance carrier calling, whether it's a patient calling themselves, uh, some of the even drug reps are looking for their patients, you know, places that they can go. So obviously in this time for, I guess, all the freestanding infusion centers, this is uh, a good thing. But again, we have to be really careful. I mean, my, my biggest fear, Dr. Stein's biggest fear and, and Ms. Rowland's biggest fear is that if somebody gets sick in our center, okay, what do we do? Do we close for a week? Is it 14 days? I mean, as providers we get updates almost on a day, I would say on a daily basis. Uh, in New York and Connecticut, we get these provider alerts and updates and everything has changed. Now, as you may know, it's, uh, you know, the whole world should be wearing masks. Uh, yesterday, they shouldn't have been wearing that. You know, it's, it's really a crazy time. And so we do our very best for when we get these phone calls. Uh, Debbie and our, we really have a nice staff and they all know how to treat the patients uh, really well. And we tell them uh, to not only allay their fears, but it's, it's the truth. We are doing everything that the hospitals cannot do uh, just because strictly by spacing patients out. Uh, we do have a private room. We have some semi-private areas for patients. Um, even the snack area and the refreshment area, we have our nurses going with gloves and sterilely giving them out to patients to avoid them coming to the snack area. You know, so... I think we are really bending over backwards and, and it's really working. And we've been kind of flooded with more calls uh, due to all right. these things. And, you know, our, our since even before the COVID-19 crisis occurred, you know, our standards and our expectations were to exceed the hospital environment, not yeah. just to yeah. match the hospital environment. So I think this COVID-19 crisis has really just highlighted what we can do. 
um, and it's brought to light the importance of just focusing on high quality patient care, accessibility for patients, um, as well as understanding that, you know, people need to be able to afford their treatments. Um, so I think this has really been a, a interesting time for us. And I think, you know, people are really starting to learn about us as a result of this crisis as well. Yeah, and if I could piggyback on that, often people did not know that they had an option of going to a freestanding infusion center. And certainly, you know, there were a lot of physicians who wanted to keep their patients in their system, if you will. Um, once they come to us and realize what they have when they come to us and the experience that they have, um, it's been it's been remarkable. I mean, the patients so appreciate this type of environment. And so um, we're very happy to be able to be here to support the community and support the patients and make sure that they get their treatments. Right. And Deb, I think you were just to, you know, maybe add a little bit here. Deb, Debbie was saying that when they come in and we really don't even let them in now, there's, there's a locked door, their temperature is taken outside, a nurse goes to see them, we do the evaluation and the appropriate screening questions. But they've been flabbergasted. I mean, they've been super surprised, like, oh, wow, you guys can really do this and you're doing all the things that we've read about. So, yeah, I, I mean, overall, uh, we're pretty happy right now with how we're taking care of patients. Well, you know, I think about that and I think about if my own mother or somebody in my family was going to get infusions, I would absolutely want them to go to a place like Civic versus a hospital with the crowds and and all the risk associated with that. And you guys are clearly going the extra mile to, to provide, you know, a great setting for your patients, but also a safe setting. But let's, let's kind of shift gears here. And you guys are doing so many things very well. And, and you bring a lot of obviously clinical expertise and business acumen to this situation, but let's talk about what's been one of the biggest challenges that you've had to navigate with this that's kind of caught you off guard or caused you to put extra time and, and energy into dealing with that challenge. And then I'll follow up with what, you know, what's been one of the things that you've learned that's gone really well, but let's, yeah. let's, uh, you know, for other infusion centers listening that are wondering if, if other people are sharing their own experience, what's been one of those biggest challenges you've been facing? I can take that. Um, so I would think, so as we mentioned, the phone has been ringing and patients have been wanting to transfer to our center and that's been great. But a lot of the physician offices, especially in New York City, are working with either a skeleton staff or they're working from home. Um, so getting the information in that we need, uh, which is challenging, um, has been more of a challenge lately. Um, so that, that I would say is the biggest problem that we're having. And also on the other side is getting the authorizations are taking longer. We're really pushing it to, you know, make it happen very quickly. Um, but it's a tremendous amount of time spent gathering the information that we need and getting the authorization. We are turning things around very, very quickly, but, um, you know, certainly when people call us, when they have an infusion scheduled for the next day, it, you know, we, and we want to get them in the next day. So we're doing somersaults and backflips in order to make it happen. And it's, you know, it's, <laughs> it's stressful, but we're getting it done. Right. And I think even from, so, you know, as, as the medical director, I get calls from Debbie and the staff because again, the communication, which we really, I think that's one of the things we pride ourselves on. We have our nurses that really communicate with the 
office of, of the referring providers, nurses. And so if they're not around and something they can't write an order. So what's been happening is we've been getting orders that really are, I, I don't want to say unacceptable, but uh, kind of not written in the right way, or they forget a signature, or the dose is not written correctly. So then I'm looking at these, trying to get approval from their office, trying to go over with our nurse, What you know, is this right? Can we do this patient? They want to be done this Saturday. And so, yeah, these, you know, again, the communication, which again, you know, was very smooth up until COVID-19. So, um, yeah, that, that's been a real challenge for us. And, and if I'll, I'll add one, another challenge, I think we saw it a little bit early on, which I think we've overcome at this point, is that we were busy doing a lot of education about in, infusion and with insurance companies and why, you know, you, why insurance and why patients want an alternative site for their care and why it's uh, critical for patients to be able to have this and why it's a win-win for both patients and insurance companies to have an alternative high quality location like us uh, around. And uh, initially we didn't, we kind of had a lot of uh, misunderstanding about what, what's involved and who's there and, you know, but eventually they, they sort of understood and we've, we're at a place now where they actually very much appreciate what we're doing and realize the value that we're bringing to the community. That's good. And your website does a good job of communicating that too. I think something on your homepage says it's you know, about half the cost for a patient to get an infusion at a standalone infusion center versus the hospital. Yes. That's and the so reason good. for that is because uh, I think a lot of patients realize this, uh, you know, only after they receive their bill for their infusion, but there's something called the facility fee that hospitals are able to charge. So in addition to the professional fee that's charged to patients, the hospital itself charges a facility fee, and these these costs add up. So, uh, as a freestanding independent center, we don't charge a facility fee, and that significantly reduces the amount that uh, patients have to pay, and insurances have to reimburse for our services. That's that to me. That's a huge value add. I mean, you're helping patients to pr really providing a a safer environment. There's a lot less interaction and they, they, they don't have to go to a crowded hospital. You're saving them money, which is huge. So these are, these are big things. And then I, and then I think about the communication flow, just going back to Debbie's comments about, you know, having to deal with all the different communication. And I, and I know civic uses, we infuse, which is huge because the software gives you a tool to put everybody on the same page in the insurance process, the scheduling, the charting and so forth. But I know that as you interact with other providers and they're using a constellation of systems to manage that same workflow, it makes it really challenging, you know, especially when they're using everything from, you know, sticky notes to handwritten notes to one software for charting and another software for, for this. It, it just makes it hard for everybody to communicate effectively. And I know that that's been a challenge that you guys have had to deal with as well. Yes. Um, well, let's let's talk about that and, and talk about the positive side of that. As you've had to deal with that, what's one really big thing that you guys have learned that's going to make you a better infusion center? Well, one thing that I've learned is that, you know, amazingly, the standards in the hospital are quite low. So it really hasn't taken us much to really stand out and be, uh, you know, sort of a set the bar for what infusion therapy should be. Uh, I think people deserve a clean and inviting setting. 
uh, that's, uh, you know, with high quality personnel, experienced people to do that know what they're doing. And I think uh, many times when people go for infusions, whether it's in a doctor's office or even in the hospital, they find themselves in like a, what could be described as almost like a closet, uh, dirty supplies and equipment. So I think uh, we've really taken it to another level and, and we're trying to set this, the bar in terms of what people should expect when they come for, for an infusion treatment. Yeah, and I think one of the really important things that I learned, you know, and I guess this is true in, in all of medicine, but particularly in the infusion space with these kind of patients, is that if you provide a great service and, and make people very happy and really understand what they're going through, for example, there's, there's a huge multiple sclerosis population. And I say huge because there are many people out there who have been very, you know, on the, on the outset of just being diagnosed, they don't know. In, in MS, particularly, patients look good. They can look very athletic and healthy, and work, but they're, they're suffering, as we know. So it's kind of a disease where it goes a little bit under the radar. And, of course, um, as many of you know, uh, Acrovis is a huge uh, drug now for this. And we see that providing these patients with that good care and understanding their illness, I mean, it's almost like it's really rewarding, actually. And so... We're finding that, and you know, at Civic, we, we take everybody. We, we, don't, we, we hardly, rarely, if ever, turn down an order for something that, let's say, is not the most profitable or just not, you know, we think we'll get, you know, all of that will come back to us. The, particularly in infusion, the word of mouth from patient to patient and, and patients to their doctor's office, I think has really been a big plus for us. So. Those are some big takeaways. Right. There. And I also think this is sort of, as anesthesiologists, we're not typically, you know, at the involved with patients other than sort of as an afterthought. When they come in for surgery, they kind of see us after and then we're kind of gone. Um, but here we're, you know, we're starting to appreciate just those patient interactions and getting to know patients and understand. And they're starting to develop relationships with us and our staff. And I think that's been very satisfying and rewarding for us as, as we've grown. Let's talk about that for a minute. And as you guys, you know, experience an increase in patient volume and you, you're, you're in an opportunity to help other providers who maybe can't see these patients like they normally would. And I looked at your website and you guys are even open evenings and weekends, which is huge. It, it raises a question in my mind that we get asked a lot at We Infuse, especially for people who want to open an infusion center and, uh, they say, why would another provider, a rheumatologist or a gastroenterologist, why would they want to send us their patient for infusion? That doesn't make sense. So what are some of the benefits of why a local provider would want to send a patient to you guys and kind of outsource that treatment? So we saw this early on, and that's a great question because uh, for anybody who's thinking of opening a center out there, we understood very well that, yes, there may be big practices uh, doing IOI, and some do it well, and some don't do it well at all. And honestly, uh, the majority was in the not doing it well at all category. And, and the, large, the reasons for this, and we understood this, is that if you remember in, in a doctor's office and with their nursing staff and their other staff and their administration staff, there are so many things going on other other than, than the infusion services. So they will try to characteristically, we found out, you know, from speaking to a lot of our nurses that 
Uh, not only would they have to multitask by answering the phone and go seeing a patient in room two, then going starting an IV in the back room where the infusion suite was far away from where they were, they couldn't really, you know, do this with a good flow and an organized manner. And to this day, I would I would say that there are many offices that still try to do this. So, you know, we we understood I think from the beginning by doing a lot of homework, and that and that's another thing if we you know. Again, I, I don't want to discourage anybody, but I, I think this is a very, very tough business and you have to have um, your eyes wide open when going into it. We did a, a lot of research to find out what was going on in our area, uh, who should be doing what. And again, I think the offices, to, to your question, they just have a hard time uh, coordinating all the other things that are going on and therefore not really prioritizing their infusion suite. Right. And I think uh, also just to tag on to that is that it is it is extremely hard to uh, be successful in this. And I think the reason is because you could easily start losing money. The drugs are very expensive. Uh, insurance doesn't always reimburse appropriately. And there's constantly changing reimbursement and costs for the medications that constantly need to be tracked so uh, a lot of places don't have the ability or desire to uh, track this information and you could find yourself very quickly uh, losing money. And so we've taken great pains to be very careful on how we uh, manage our medications and our contracts. And I think, you know, it requires, it's very work intensive. And uh, I think that's why it's not, not done a lot in the, uh, at least in our area. Those are great points. And those are the kinds of things we share with, with consulting clients for We Infuse, but it's great to hear it from you. And, you know, you're reducing the financial risk for the provider. And really a lot, a lot of these providers, it's, it's almost like a, I hate to call it a side business, but it's not their main area of expertise. It's not their main focus. And it is a whole, uh, it is a whole new workflow and a whole new level of risk and reimbursement, like you said. So, you know, <clears throat> if everybody swims in their lane and we all do what we're really good at, things will flow a lot better. And that's kind of what I hear you saying in that. Well, um, well, we could talk on and on about the different things you guys are doing to to um, to kind of stand apart and offer excellence in different ways. But want to respect your time and and um, and wrap this up here in a few minutes. So. What's some parting advice you would have for other infusion centers as they navigate this current challenge of COVID-19? Um, I, I would really say, again, and not to discourage, of course, but really do your homework um, as far as knowing all the aspects of the business. It's, it's not, um, you know, as Reese and the guys will always say, it's not a build it and they shall come business. You have to know, obviously, your market, your area. Uh, what the hospitals around you are doing, um, and, you know, patient demographics, things like that. I mean, it's, it takes a lot of time to research. Um, again, I think the, the biggest hurdles are with your insurance carriers. And one of the, the things that I, I would say to people is really understand your particular insurance carrier market. Um, state to state, as we learned uh, going to the, to the great NICA meeting uh, last year, um, we had people from all over the country and meeting people and understanding how their states look at the infusion industry uh, through, through their insurance companies is, is very different than another state. Um, you would think that this would all be national, you know, no brainer, but it's not. So 
understand your environment, do your homework, and, and put in the hard work, uh, it'll, it'll definitely be rewarding. Right. And I, I would also, I agree completely with that. And also I would say to understand that healthcare is hyper-local. Just because you're able to do something in one market does not mean it will translate into another market. So um, you've got to be very careful in doing your research because uh, it may not work out even though you can be successful somewhere else. And what I would say to the other infusion centers who are dealing with COVID-19, you know, take those extra safety precautions, uh, treat your staff well because know that they are working harder than ever. And um, just everybody stay safe and continue to treat your patients because your patients need that medication. So you staying open and staying safe is incredibly important. Yep. Agree. Great points, guys. And, and so for those of you listening, I just want to say thanks to Debbie Rowland. Thank you, Dr. Stein. Thank you, Dr. Roteman. We appreciate you guys, of course, as a We Infuse customer and that we can partner with you. And, and thank you just for, for providing excellent service to your patients. Thank you. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you for having us. All right. I'm sure you got a lot from that interview. I really appreciate them being on the show. And I love how they talk about why a provider would want to send them their patients or why their patients are really getting the best care possible compared to having going going to a hospital, especially in the midst of COVID-19. And guys, now is a time more than ever where we infuse software really shines because when many people are working remotely, it puts everybody on the same page, everything from the insurance workflow, navigating that whole process with prior auths to the scheduling to the nurses charting, and even a lot of billing information that billers need, all of that in one place, even now with very powerful features like appointment reminders, alerts, and ways of messaging those patients to stay on top of this process. Go over to weinfuse.com to learn more and to request a demo. Schedule a time to talk through, uh, talk through it with an account executive. You will be glad you did. There's just no need to use a constellation of systems to manage this complex process. And those of you that have listened, thank you for listening. If this has been helpful, please share with others and also rate and review on iTunes. It's just a great way to say thank you to us. We hope this was helpful. My name is Dylan McCabe. This is the We Infuse podcast, and we will catch you in the next episode. (music) 